Hello, and welcome to the Headache Doctor Podcast. I'm Dr. Taves, your host. As always, it's our mission to educate and empower everyone with headaches and migraines so that you can break free from a life of fear of your next headache or migraine and dependence on medication. On today's podcast, we are going to get into the underlying cause of headaches and migraines, which we talk about uh, every now and then. And uh, when I do talk about it, they're the most listened to podcast. We're also going to break down what the medical field, uh, what what the sort of Western medicine model of care provides as far as answers. We're looking at research that has been done that leads to these conclusions that medical doctors are coming to that's directing them uh, in their clinical practice. It's going to be interesting because we'll talk about the paradigm shift that I'm trying to get people to understand and how this being a neck issue, a musculoskeletal issue is actually right in line with what the research is saying, as opposed to having to ignore um, studies that are coming out and just uh, blindly believe that the neck is the issue, as some people might um, want to think is happening on this podcast. But a lot of what we do is based off of our outcomes in the clinic. And so the experience that we have clinically has directed a lot of this. And uh, so we're doing our own research and we're lo- we're tracking our own outcomes. And, and so it's really interesting because I have a few of those numbers for you guys to see um, what what is happening here at Novera. And it's very hopeful. And uh, I hope that this, this whole podcast is encouraging for you guys. One, I wanted to bring you a better understanding um, of what, what the underlying problem uh, likely is. I want you to understand why the Western medicine model um, is what it is and uh, what they're basing their understanding off of. And then what I'm going to do is try to mesh those two, um, our way of thinking what we're finding clinically with um, what the Western medicine model, mainly leading you to a, a pharmaceutical intervention and why why there's the disconnect there. And then we're going to talk about some outcomes here in our clinic, which is exciting. All right. So first off, what is a migraine? There's all sorts of different causes or believed causes out there, whether it's vascular, neurological, chemical, hormonal, musculoskeletal, genetic. And there's more than that. But those are some of the big ones where people will say this causes it or they see an association from their migraine to uh, to maybe maybe it's a familial component and their mom or dad has migraines. So they'll say it's genetic. Maybe it's around that, that time of the month where it always hits and they'll say it's hormonal. Maybe they feel this sort of stabbing pain and they'll say, well, it's neurological. Uh, maybe they, they sense a throbbing sensation and they'll say it's vascular. So there's all these different beliefs as far, as far as what is happening. And that's the big question. What is a migraine? What is causing a migraine? Okay. So let's talk about what the conclusion of research is currently. Okay. So 16% of the worldwide population suffer from migraine headaches. All right. A third of those migraines are preceded by an aura. Now the aura, a third of those that, that have the aura, uh, it's important to understand that it's only a third of people that suffer with migraines because, uh, there are certain aspects of an aura that we've been able to actually see neurologically the activity of the neurons that happen, uh, with, with an aura, which is a precursor to the actual pain of a migraine headache. But as far as the conclusion of research, so there's, this is like me boiling it down and, and really sifting through and making this digestible for you guys. And, um, 
And so I will put the links to the the articles where I'm pulling this uh, information. Uh, the article that this is coming from is called Migraine Pathophysiology. So I'm going to I'm going to boil this down for you guys, okay? So it is thought so here's a quote. It is thought that a migraine headache is a manifestation of a brain state of altered excitability capable of activating the trigeminal vascular system in genetically susceptible individuals. All right. So Another quote, the resultant convergence of intracranial, uh, visceral, and, and extracranial somatic primary afferents into spinal trigeminal nucleus neurons likely contributes to the referred pain perception in the periorbital uh, and occipital regions. All right. So you probably didn't understand any of that unless you have a background uh, in the medical world, or maybe you are just remembering your medical terminology from high school or something, which I give you props because... It's uh, challenging to take what I just said in, in the quotes there and make sense of it. So I'm going to help you with that. It is thought that a migraine headache is a manifestation of a brain state of altered excitability. Okay, so excitability. We talk about thresholds a lot on this podcast. Altered excitability here is saying that the neuron receiving some sort of signal, some sort of sensory input is responding to that and, and being almost like hyper excited. It's, it's more excitable than it should be. It's not responding appropriately to whatever input is coming in. So think of like hypersensitivity, altered excitability. All right. So there's neurons within the brain. Those neurons send the pain signal and we don't actually realize what's happening until it hits the brain, which is important to understand here. Altered excitability of the neurons. So that's number one, altered excitability, hypersensitivity. There's some element of, of altered excitability, all right? Capable of activating the trigeminal vascular system, okay? So altered excitability, which is it's excited, maybe it's extra excited, something like that, and it's activating the trigeminal vascular system. So that's number two. Trigeminal vascular system is a key component. It's, it's maybe the key component because so many things travel through this trigeminal vascular system, the trigeminal cervical nucleus. Now I'm saying trigeminal, which maybe you're familiar with, and you think of the sensation from the head and the face, uh, which is accurate. The trigeminal nerve, which carries sensation from the, the temple, the cheek, the jaw. Uh, that's what we're talking about here. That's the same name. That's a trigeminal nerve. It runs through a nucleus. And this nucleus is where all these different nerves, they meet up. And they create this nucleus and uh, the trigeminal vascular system is part of that. So you get kind of sensation, sensory input from the blood vessels that kind of surround your brain in the dura, uh, in the meninges, this sort of tissue that surrounds the brain. Okay. So we're getting input from the trigeminal nerve. We're getting input from the, um, the blood vessels. You also get input from the occipital nerve. So, uh, from the back of the head and you also, we will get input from C, uh, one, two, three. Okay. So the upper part of the neck, um, those spinal roots that carry sensation, they will also travel through this trigeminal, uh, the, the trigeminal cervical nucleus. Okay. So that's a, that's a major player, this, this trigeminal cervical nucleus. Um, and then it says in genetically susceptible individuals. Um, there is some link there, mainly it's with um, familial hemiplegic migraines. So there's a, a special subtype of migraines that they actually have some data to say, like, there's a connection here. I don't think that means that's causing, um, that it's a genetic cause or you're just bound to have migraines. Uh, and it's kind of a, it's outside of that, it's not a very strong connection. So, um, 
the third thing I want to uh, you all to pay attention to here is the um, so the resultant convergence of intracranial visceral and then somatic. So visceral means like like um, uh, so somatic is like muscle tissue. Um, visceral intracranial. So intracranial is like blood vessels and things like that. Okay. So afferents are nerves that take signals to the brain. All right. So there's blood vessels and there's muscles. I'm simplifying this and they're bringing signals to the brain. They meet in the spinal trigeminal nucleus. Um, and then they refer pain. What we feel is referred pain. So this is what this is saying. This is the migraine pathophysiology from this journal. Um, article and it's saying that the referred pain perception into the periorbital and occipital region. So that means in the back of the head and then in the eye. All right. So the head, the face, the back of the head, the eye, the temple, all that it's, it's a referred pain. This is what we talk about in our podcast. So everything that we've said on this podcast can fit into that model. It can fit in there. All right. That's, that is the migraine pathophysiology that's coming out of the research. And I'm going to show you now how looking at that through a different paradigm, through a different lens, gets you a different result. One leads down medication. One leads you down understanding the neck and trying to fix the neck. And this is huge. This is like life-changing if we can figure this out and start treating it. And this is what we're seeing in the clinic. Um, This is what other providers I work with and refer with are seeing uh, these other problems outside of just the Western medicine model. All right. So how is a migraine diagnosed then? If it's this um, altered state of excitability through this spinal trigeminal nucleus that's referring pain, uh, what? How do we diagnose that? We diagnose this just based off of symptoms. So if you have a um, one-sided pounding sensation, it throbs, it pulses, and then you have sensitivity to light, sounds, sometimes smell or touch, and then you get nausea, vomiting. Maybe you have an aura that is kind of a, a precursor comes before. Um, the migraine itself. If you have those symptoms or something like those symptoms uh, or a few of those symptoms, you'll likely get the diagnosis of migraine. And that is it. That's it. That's it. They will do imaging. They'll do uh, other tests to rule things out, which uh, oftentimes can be appropriate. But for the most part, um, just you telling the doctor what you feel, and then they're just basically packaging it into this migraine diagnosis and giving it to you. And in that package comes all of these nice little pills um, currently. And that's where you might be able to manage your symptoms, but you're probably going to get frustrated um, because you actually want to understand the underlying problem. All right. Which I'm glad you're listening to this podcast because uh, I want you to better understand that today. So understanding how the neck is connected to migraine symptoms. All right. So I'm talking about an aspect of what we do here. There's, there's other things, there's other things, there's bigger things, um, not bigger things. There's, there's multiple, it's multifactorial when we think of like the neck and how, how the neck gets to this issue. Uh, I mean, it's shoulders, jaw tension, um, breathing and airway, which we've talked about. It can be a visual issue. So there's a lot of different things, but, um, what I want you to understand is that the neck is a major player in this because uh, what we're seeing in our clinic is most of these people with migraines have a substantial neck issue that if corrected uh, will improve their situation. So the sp- spinal trigeminal nucleus, we talked about this just a little bit ago, C1 through, through 3. So upper part of the neck, C1, C2, C3, that's referring to the first three bones in your neck. If you push 
very high up in your neck and you're like, oh, that's sore and I need to rub that when I have a migraine or a headache or you ask someone else to rub that. That is the area I'm talking about. And that runs through the spinal trigeminal nucleus. You know what else runs through there? Like we talked about the intracranial vasculature. Okay. So the sensation from the blood vessels in your head will run through there and also the trigeminal nerve. So facial pain. All right. So what happens here? You uh, receive input. Um, the That nucleus, the spinal trigeminal nucleus receives input um, from one of these areas. In this situation, it's going to be your neck. So the upper part of your neck is not happy because uh, it's not moving the way it should. There's an injury that hasn't been resolved. It hasn't been worked on the way it should. And so that tension's there. It builds up. Uh, depending on what you did that day or uh, all sorts of other factors where your threshold's at, you will realize what's happening in your neck. And when you realize what's happening in your neck, it travels through that nucleus, which is where all those nerves come together from the, the blood vessels in the head and the, and the uh, trigeminal nerve in the face and the neck and the occipital nerves. All of that meets up and then it sends uh, a signal to the brain. All right. And when it's received by the brain, the brain is not understanding where it's coming from. And that's called referred pain. So it gets the location wrong. All right. Um, we also see overlap with different types of sensory inputs. So that, that sensation travels through the thalamus, which is responsible for sort of understanding different uh, types of sensory inputs. Uh, but we see overlap, not just with getting the uh, location of the pain wrong, but we can also confuse the actual type of input. That's why we have things like um, visual disturbances, maybe you get numbness and tingling on one side. There's all sorts of things that the brain can perceive as happening when there's not actually anything wrong with that location. Like if you have a visual disturbance, you can go to every ophthalmologist in the world. And um, if, I mean, if they do find something wrong with your eye, it's likely not related to an aura that's connected to your migraine. Okay. There's nothing wrong with your eye itself. Um, at least related to this issue that, um, that they will find. Okay. And likely you don't want them to find anything else. Cause if they find anything else, yeah, you, um, they might connect it and then you might go down that road of thinking that will solve it. Um, but anyways, that's, that's, uh, for a different podcast. All right. So referred pain, referred types of, of sensory input. So your brain gets this, this input um, from your neck and it's confusing where it's coming from. You have face, you have pain in your face, you have pain in your temple, you have pain in the back of your head and it wraps up and around. Um, you have numbness and tingling on one side. You might have, um, I've even had patients that have a facial droop when they have a migraine. Now, some of these symptoms uh, are sounding like stroke-like symptoms. And uh, on this podcast, I'm never telling you if you feel like you're having a stroke to think, oh, I, I, it's just my neck hurting. Uh, if you feel anything like that and you are not sure that it is your neck, then you need to go get checked out, all right? Because strokes are very real things. But a lot of the same stroke-like symptoms can present as a neck issue. We see that all the time. And so if you've gone to the ER and you've got your imaging and you're not dying and you don't have a stroke and you have a history of migraines, and you have this pain pattern, um, it very likely could be your neck. And so you want to get that checked out. All right. Hey guys, if you are listening to this podcast, the chances are you have headaches or migraines and you're searching for relief outside of medication. Well, maybe you've tried different products on the market or devices, traction units, things like that, but they haven't really scratched that itch and provided you with the relief you're looking for. 
Well, what we've done here at Novera is taken the principles that we teach and abide by in our in-person care and come up with a product that allows you to apply those same pressures and improving mobility to the upper part of your neck at home. You see, it's called the SAM device, Simple Affordable Migraine Relief. And the device allows you to improve mobility to the upper part of your neck. And we are excited to announce that it's available today on our website. Visit NoveraHeadacheCenter.com. Click on the SAM device page where you can look at videos and learn more about the SAM product and purchase it for yourself and start treating your headaches and migraines more naturally without medication. Again, that's NoveraHeadacheCenter.com and click on the SAM device page to purchase your very own SAM device today. So understanding movement of C1 to C3. So what's happening? I'm just going to briefly get to this. This is a lot of what we'll work on in the clinic. Um, We're going to talk about how to evaluate the neck, and and this is going to highlight one of the major issues uh, as to why this is not being caught. But if we understand movement of C1 to C3, we, we start to realize that our neck is holding up this 10 to 12 pound head, the weight of a bowling ball, and uh, it's trying to move it, you know, look left and right, up and down, side to side. And the upper part of the neck is actually responsible uh, for, for half of our rotation. So C1 and C2 sitting, C1 sitting on C2 is responsible for half of our rotation. And then uh, OA joint. So the head sitting on the first bone is responsible for at least 10 degrees of this forward nodding. Um, and usually we're kind of stuck in extension. All right. So those two joints, uh, primarily, so most of the people that we see in our clinic, and when I say most, I'd say it's safe to assume anyone with headaches or migraines likely will have a neck issue. Um, it's very, very rare that this is not a problem at all. And, uh, like I said, there's other factors. So it doesn't always mean that people with the neck issue, resolving the neck issue solves all their problems. There are a lot of people like that. But the neck issue could be part of other issues. And as when we look at a full picture of patient's health, we understand that. But for the sake of this podcast, the upper part of the neck should move um, quite a bit. And typically it's not moving. All right. So that's the simplest way of putting that. Um, why is it not moving past injuries? Maybe you, you sit at a computer all day. Um, maybe you've trained your neck not to move just because uh, we all don't move as much as we should. Um, there's all sorts of different reasons. And I usually don't dwell on the why you got to this point because there's so many different ways to get there and it's such a common problem. Um, and so what happens is you can still turn your head. You're just using the mid and lower segments of your neck. And so if you're sitting here listening to this and you're like, well, I can still turn my head, I can still look up and down and I can go side to side. Um, That's great. A lot of the patients we see can do that too, but it's not coming from the upper part of the neck. It's compensation and our body's really good at compensating. So you can actually have this type of injury for a long time. So even if you had the car accident uh, way back when, and uh, you're like, I'd never connected the two. Uh, likely they are connected because if you were in a whip in a car accident, a whiplash injury, um, your neck likely sustains some sort of trauma. And uh, if we don't evaluate that properly, we don't know um, what it felt like right after. And so that tension's there and it just builds and builds and it never really resolves. And usually it just kind of gets worse until you start having headaches and migraines, which could be um, a while after the accident. So you don't really connect those. All right. So how do we evaluate the neck? How should we evaluate the neck and how are we currently evaluating the neck? So currently, um, if you go to your primary care doctor's office, and again, 
um, just like in the physical therapy world, the chiropractic world, uh, or really any profession, um, there are sort of standards. And for the most part, you can assume like it'll look a certain way, uh, but there are good providers or bad providers. So I'm speaking in general terms, just understand that. Uh, I'm not saying every uh, primary care doc is going to do this exact, uh, these steps, but for the most part, you'll get a range of motion check. I'll have you turn your head left and right, up and down, side to side. Um, for the most part, like I said, you'll be able to do that. Um, and so they might, uh, if you tell them like, oh, my neck hurts or something like that, they might send you to a PT. Uh, and then the PT might do like stretches and exercises or something. And maybe it helps a little bit, but uh, maybe not. Now that's their possible referral to PT is like a big question mark. Most of the time, you're not going to get that. Uh, most of the time, if it's, if this is like brand new, they might do an image, like an MRI, a CT scan, an X-ray to look at your neck. They won't find anything. Um, at least they, they shouldn't find anything connected to your, uh, migraine symptoms. If this is a neck issue, because they're looking at still images and they're not looking at movement. This is a movement problem. Remember? So if I just take a snapshot of how the bones are sitting, uh, I'm not going to get a good idea of how they're moving. I actually won't really get any, um, anything that's super helpful. I mean, you can see things like how the bones are sitting and assume that they're not able to move um, in a certain direction, but it's better to just see how someone's moving and be able to really evaluate it that way instead of having to get an expensive and, and um, uh, yeah, I don't want to say not invasive, but um, like an x-ray that exposes you to radiation, that sort of thing. So, um, and then taking, uh, yeah, take medication. So that's the solution and find anything. You still have this problem, take medications, uh, and manage it that way. All right. So the recommended process, this is what I would want to happen when you are dealing with migraines and you're trying to figure out if this is a neck issue, um, general range of motion, and you're looking for compensation patterns. So when you turn your head left and right, can you keep your eyes on a horizontal plane? When you side bend left and right, can you keep your nose pointed straight ahead? Okay. And these are very subtle. Oftentimes people, when I say that, they can still kind of force it. Um, but the most sensitive thing is when you side bend and you feel like, wow, that's kind of uncomfortable. Usually people feel that when their neck is tight. Okay. There's a little nugget for you. Sensitivity to, um, touch. So when I'm, when I'm putting pressure through the upper part of the neck, it's usually sensitive. Most people I work with will say, yeah, it's sensitive right here. Um, and then you're checking specifically C1 and 2 rotation and OA nodding. So the nodding and the rotation. And those are specific tests that we do in the clinic. Um, just very simple test, but uh, very effective. And they give us a lot of info. Uh, we can do imaging if indicated. It's rare that I need to order images. And then we want to search for contributing factors. It's like the jaw, the shoulders, um, uh, visual issues, things like that. Okay. Why? Is the neck just isolated in this problem or is the neck an issue because of something else? Okay. Um, all right. Outcomes. Now, when we go through that process, we treat the neck. Uh, this is what we're finding in our clinic. So um, a sample of 55 patients, about 50% uh, improvement through the first um, three weeks of treatment. So that's six visits. And they found they were 50% better on average. All right. So these are people with um, weekly uh, 
multiple migraines in a week uh, to, I mean, they can be daily to uh, once a month. That's usually about the range. I mean, we do have people that come in with fewer than once a month migraines, but usually it's like a a more frequent thing. And then they're seeing a 50% average improvement. That's a reduction in the frequency and the intensity of their symptoms. But that's also just a, um, they are verbally telling us they're considering where they were when they started. And they're saying on average, I'm 50% better. Okay. On graduation day. All right. So on graduation day, the average number of headache days per a six week period. So that's going through the process. That's six weeks was reduced from 19 to six. All right. So almost a 70% reduction in the number of headache days in that six week period. Now the average um, goes from five to four. Now on average, when people come in, they might have really low grade headaches and then they might have really bad headaches. So the average is five. Now, at the end of treatment, they say the average is four, which is lower a little bit, but if they're going to have a headache, typically it's just a headache. Um, it doesn't go into this debilitating migraine. Uh, it's rare that we hear that. And then the frequency drops from 19 to six, which is about a 70% reduction. Now, if you look at the outcomes of the, um, like the CGRP meds, like Emgality and Amovig, they typically are claiming about a 50% reduction in half the people that take them. Okay. So with our process, if we find the neck, if we find like, yes, this is a neck problem, uh, on average, we're seeing about a 50, 50% improvement, 50% in three weeks, okay? These are people that come to us 10 plus years of migraines, nothing's helped, nothing's worked, some something's helped a little bit, but not much. Three weeks, 50% better, okay? That's why I get so excited about this stuff. I get very passionate about it. And uh, I, I, I do this podcast because I want to help as many people as possible because this is a it's a solvable problem. Okay. So people, it's not as if they're like hundred percent. I never have to worry about a migraine or a headache ever again. And this is, um, this is, well, people do say it's a miracle, but the, the, the miracle component is not like you're, you're not like cured to the sense of you, you come in, you lay down, I work on you. It's gone. Okay. There's a lot of work involved on, on the patient's end. There's behavioral changes. There's health changes. There's other systems we might need to look at. These are complicated processes that we have to take people through. Um, But the outcomes here are getting people off of medication and that's the key. And it's providing them with that like hope of, oh my gosh, I have a solution and I understand why this is happening. And then I want you to feel that sense of control back in your life. Okay. So I hope that provides you with a better understanding of your situation. I don't know your specific situation, but most of the people we see, this is what they're dealing with. Um, and so I want to get this message to you. This is the Headache Doctor podcast, where it's our mission to educate and empower everyone with headaches and migraines so you can break free from a life of fear and dependence and thrive in everything you do. Thanks to, for listening. Hey guys, I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the Headache Doctor podcast. I know that you have a lot of options in how you spend your time and how you consume information around headaches and migraines. I just wanted a quick ask because the only way that we grow this podcast and continue this mission is if you subscribe, share this podcast, and of course, leave us a five-star review. Those are cherished and it makes my day when I see someone's story come through as a five-star review and how this podcast 
podcast has been able to help you. Thank you so much again for listening to the Headache Doctor podcast, and I'll see you next week.